it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and looks at the bottom of a starling which is currently stuck up Kieran's chimney. Uh, I think you'll be hearing more about that later. It's, it promises to be an exciting one, this. I'm Kevin Day and uh, Chris Packham over there is Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, tell us, tell us what's going on because there were certainly sound effects when, when we first checked in. Uh, yes, it, it's, uh, we've, 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 got a, we've got a flu, uh, we've got a chimney uh, and uh, a starling came down it on Saturday and I managed to grab hold of him and uh, escort him out of the house. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's now decided to come down again and every time I go, and it's one of those, those, those glass-fronted uh, fires, so it's, it's a log burner. Uh, as, as you would expect, of course. Of, of course, of course, Kieran. Um, uh, but he, he keeps he keeps legging it up the chimney, so I, you know, I, I stick my arm up the hole and I can't grab him. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. And Finley's Finley's taken an interest, I gather. <laughs> Finley is is fascinated <laughs> and is giving him uh, Paddington Bear style stares, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but has not managed to join in the party as yet. See, I, I don't know how to break this to you, Kieran, but you know Starling's favourite food is the middle of strawberries. No. They, they love the bit in the middle of the strawberry, Kieran. So, no, of course they don't. I'm making it up. But it, it's, I just want you to feel bad still about hulling your strawberries. So that, <laughs> that could well be it. They could, they could have the, the scent of a hulled strawberry carries far on the breeze, Kieran. But uh, let's hope that Starling issue gets resolved. But it's, it's something else uh, for our listeners to take note of and indeed for BAFTA to say goodbye for um it's <laughs> it's, it's Newsday, Kieran we haven't got that many news stories but they're all big they're all big yeah. stories um uh, the first one is is from France and it's a beautiful city it's one of my favorite French cities Bordeaux but in what's been described by their owner as a brutal punishment Kieran they've been relegated to the French third division for for various financial misdemeanors Yes, the the French football authorities uh, they effectively conduct an audit of clubs uh, in in terms of their financial affairs because they they want clubs to uh, reduce the chances of insolvency, which which is something which is to be encouraged, mm. um, and that they're, they're unhappy with regards to what's happened at Dor- at Bordeaux, who I think are they're in for, they're in for around about forty million euro, which which by the standards of some of our clubs, yeah, yeah it does genuinely seem like chicken feed or starling feed, um, <laughs> and. Um, uh, they they thought that they were going to be in in the the French second tier, uh, you know, and even even that's you know I, 
I, I, we both remember Bordeaux as being you know, a pretty pretty significant yes. French club. Um, yeah. But uh, the French f- football authorities have, have taken a harsher uh, view, uh, whether it's brutally harsh, I don't know, um, and, and relegated them to the third tier. So uh, it, it's, it's going to be a long way up. And of course, if you do do that, it, it makes your financial circumstances even worse. So it, so it seems to be compounding what's already uh, a challenging position for Bordeaux. For Bordeaux. So this just just came out of a regular routine administrative check. It, they weren't, uh, you know, grassed up for want of a better word, or they, it hasn't been ongoing. It's just something that the French authorities do, and they notice that things were wrong. Yes, yeah, yeah. You you have to uh, you ha- you have to submit. Yeah, in order to get your license in effect, uh, you have to submit financial data, as is the case. You know, to be fair, to uh, here here in here in England, uh, because both the EFL and the Premier League insist that their clubs submit the financial data in order to assess from a from an FFP or profitability and sustainability perspective. Um, and, and this was flagged during the the review of Bordeaux. Uh, speaking of FFP, Kieran, I notice this is not a subject we have on the agenda, but I note uh, Swiss Ramble did a rather long thread, which I bailed out of about a third of the way through, about Palace's finance in the report. But we are well within FFP regulations. I was pleased to see that. And he, he yes, seems- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've, some Palace fans have been in contact uh, with me, and I've said, yeah, nothing, nothing to worry about. You know, uh, so. Yeah, there, there is there is there is opportunity to spend money. Just because you've got an opportunity to spend money doesn't mean that you should. But uh, yeah, the, the finances at Palace are, are are very secure in my view as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd never argue with the governor. Yeah, I did. And Kieran, as you know, my my views on financial responsibility are different to yours. I I feel, <laughs> and I shall be emailing Steve Parrish to this effect that if there's an opportunity to spend money, spend the money. Just there's a lot of players out there. Bounce, bounce some cash at the problem. Uh, yes, we're going to get you onto our uh, five-year plan palace pod as well, just to uh, do a five-minute uh, catch-up, which would be nice and reassuring for our fans. Now, Kieran, this next story is a big one. It's a surprise. I, I, I urge you, Kieran, to be very careful because we have silver-tongued lawyers listening to this, uh, and this person who's involved in this story is someone that you've taken against, Kieran. I think it's safe to say that historically you're a guinim. And during the live shows, you, you said some things that, that bordered on the illegal, Kieran, I, I would think. But um, <laughs> <laughs> just trod the fine line between – you probably shouldn't have really said that, but the audience seemed to be laughing <laughs> <laughs> and, and rather worryingly tweeting. That, uh, yes, uh, Lawrence Bassini – I mean, this has come out of nowhere, Kieran. Lawrence Bassini appears to be taking over – Birmingham City, and, and from what you've told us, both in public and private, I can't help thinking that's not particularly good news for Birmingham City. Yes. Now, for people who are not familiar with Lawrence Bassini, um, he he was declared bankrupt in 2007, uh, for which he blamed his father. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and he changed his name from Lawrence Bazzini, B-A-Z-I-N-I, to Bassini, B-A-S-S-I-N-I, because yeah. in his words, everybody needs a fresh start. Indeed. It's not that much of a fresh start, but, you know, I think... It's H- not. It's not. I think that the most cursory private detective would see through that uh, little name change, but there you are. But he's, he's right. I'm, everybody needs a change. He's quite right. Why does, not? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad my Uncle Terry didn't do the same, because otherwise he would have needed a fresh start, I think, 14 times. Indeed. Um, he, would, he would have run out, although I think he was calling himself Uncle Telly. <laughs> 
the, until the East End Police saw through that rudimentary disguise as well. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, he was declared bankrupt and you know, lots of people who declared bankrupt and go on to be successes. Take, take Donald Trump, for example. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just to be clear, Kieran, uh, uh, once you've cleared your bankruptcy, that, that doesn't stop you then being a club owner, does it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and therefore, he was uh, legally uh, allowed to acquire Watford Football Club in 2011. Um he he was involved in a couple of things, one of which uh, is referred to as Safegate. And this is where he arrived at, uh, at the premises and demanded to be given access to the safe. So therefore, he could remove all of the cash from it um, for reasons which have never been never publicly been explained. But privately, we have discussed this. And yes. we will say no more about the matter, of course. Yes, because please, please, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, his argument: it, it's my club, so therefore I'm entitled to do what I want. Um, he also, when the club was sold, uh, it was revealed that he had taken cash advances, and this is all in the public domain, so we can yeah, say this. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had taken cash advances of one point five million pounds. Um, this was in respect of the the transfer fee for the sale of Danny Graham, um, and also some EFL awards money. And uh, this, this these money, say one point five million pounds, um, uh, it, w- it was described in the accounts as the funds were never received by the club. Huh. And he, we've all we've all tried to pay checks in, Kevin, haven't we? Yeah, we go in yes. and we, yes. we we try to pay pay it into the account, and, and it ends up going into another account. So you know, pure accident. Um, I believe the club was was not confident of recovering that money from Mr. Bassine. <laughs> um, he, he was he was subsequently uh, banned from football by the football authorities for a period of three years for fan- financial impropriety. Um, and during the course of, uh, of the charges, um, one of the conclusions was that he practised secrecy and deception. Mm. Mm. So perhaps, mm. he, perhaps he should be a spy. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps yeah. he's in the wrong job. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's he's changed his name. He maybe he could change his face just as easily. Where's I mean, where's the new money come from, Kieran? Do we know to buy Birmingham City? How much will the asking price be? I mean, is this a genuine a genuine takeover, Kieran? Well, um, what we have seen is in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange uh, there has been uh, an announcement yesterday, a confirmation that Oriental Rainbow Investments Limited, yeah a club based in the British Virgin Islands that owns 21.6% of the club yeah. has transferred ownership of those shares. Right. So the, the what's being put forward is that Lawrence Bassini has, has bought those shares. Um, where that money is being funded from, we don't know. Um, he, uh, he doesn't appear to have huge resources because he was also declared bankrupt in 2014. Oh, right. um, and I'm getting all of this, by the way, from the, the magnificent Charlton dossier. Yep. Which, uh, which, you know, which, which we're you know big fans on, and, and yep. hats off to them. Um, does does this mean that he's going to bid for the remaining seventy five percent, or or the biggest shareholder who's got seventy five percent of the shares? The simple answer is we don't know. That there's no indication as present, but certainly the vibes are that uh, somebody, uh, and we're assuming that it's Mister Bassini, is uh, is going to put in this full bid. Um, how much is it going to be? You know, I, I would estimate overall buying Birmingham probably in the region of 20 to 25 million 
Um, does he have that money? We we can't comment on that. We don't know. He, personally, you know, he, he might have he, he might have made a fortune in crypto in the past few years. He, he might have won the lottery. Um, if, if you take a look at the number of companies that he owns, he owns an art gallery company. He owns a chauffeur company. He owns a restaurant company. You know, for all we know, these these companies could be fantastically successful, and therefore the money generated from them. Uh, could be used to, to buy Birmingham City Football Club. Uh, alternatively, he he could be being funded and be a front man for somebody else. We we yeah we we don't we don't know that detail. Uh, if he has uh, invested his money in crypto care, and he might be in trouble because rather worryingly, you you get news flashes come across the, the bottom of your your laptop. Well, I do. And there's one from the BBC which simply says Bitcoin crashes again, cryptocurrency plunges. So that might be something we need to talk about on the next pod. But if he does take over, Kieran, we've discussed this a fair few times. I mean, the ground needs needs work, needs investment. The, mm-hmm. the squad certainly needs investment. So whatever he pays for it, to make them successful or to certainly to try and get out of the championship the right way, it's going to cost a lot of money. And again, you know, history tells us that he's never really had that money to, to invest in the club, has he? That, that's right, because he, he tried to take over Bolton when it when it was in a mess. Uh, and, and he claimed that he'd put in a bid, but there was lack of proof of funds. Um, so this this does seem uh, a little bit strange. And, and you're absolutely right. There's, there's two costs in relation to a football club. Uh, there's... There's the money to, to buy it, and then there's the, the ongoing operational losses. And, and Birmingham uh, have wages which are substantially higher than revenue, so he's walking into a loss-making club. Mm. Um, so, so it's it's, get, it's going to be a challenge uh, for him. And uh, yeah, Birmingham fans are, are fed up, as as are the fans of uh, many clubs. Yeah. Um, I I I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't on on the basis of history say that a twice bankrupt somebody banned for from football for for practicing secrecy and deception and financial impropriety is necessarily a good fit um, but i may be wrong you may be wrong kieran and as you say it's the charitable thing to do is to is to think that mr bassini may be a reformed character um if there's some secrecy and mystery about that deal kieran there's no mystery at all about the everton story which again has come out well it seems to me to have come out of the blue it may be that you have more inside information but peter kenyon is fronting on the consortium who have entered talks to try to buy everton were everton for sale was this something that was on the radar kieran because as i say it didn't seem to be on mine well it, it wasn't it wasn't on the radar explicitly but right. if we just take a look at sort of the backstory in in relation to Everton, they were acquired by by Farhad Mashiri, who is the the former business partner of Alicia Usmanov, the, yep. the the oligarch who is presently had his assets frozen by the UK government for alleged links to to Putin, um, and and Everton uh, also suspended the relationship that they had with. Usmanov's companies. So he had uh, naming rights options for the new stadium. His uh, he, he had naming rights for Finch Farm, which is the training facilities. Another one of his companies was was sponsoring the the front of shirt deal for the women's team. So so that there has been there has been a historic link there. Um, Mr. Mashiri has put in around about four hundred million pounds of money. Yeah. Um, now some people are 
putting two and two together in relation to the fact that Mashiri was effectively used to be Usmanov's accountant and, and uh, work colleague and say, well, is that money coming from Usmanov rather than Mashiri? There is no evidence to support that. Ah. So, so, um, so we we then had this story which which uh, you know which came out. I think I think it was uh, one of the guys in in the Telegraph uh, first first revealed it in the last forty eight hours, and um, it's it's U.S. investors who uh, are are looking to buy into the Premier League. And now, what's what's attractive about Everton? Well, you know, a club with fantastic history and heritage, uh, a club in a city that everybody in the U.S. has heard of. Yeah, you know, Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool punches above its weight in terms of a tourist destination. Mm. It's it, it is ridiculously popular. Uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm privileged to work there. I mean, I, I absolutely love the place uh, as, as as a working environment. Um, so it's got an airport. Yeah, you know, all all of these things are pluses. And yeah, you know, as, as as we've said before, there there's an increase in appeal for the Premier League because the pounds weak at present, which which makes deals cheaper. Um, so Peter Kenyon is the the former chief executive of Manchester United. He's the former chief executive at uh, at Chelsea. So he is familiar with uh, the Premier League. He also was involved in theory in in some form of bid for Newcastle from Mike Ashley. Yeah. Not sure how far that that ever got. Um, so 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 that's that's where we are. We're, we're being told that the asking price is five hundred million pounds. Um, you know, again, my gut reaction is that seems a bit a bit high. Yeah, the stock. Yeah, face it. Yeah, share prices are are not good at present. Although, yeah, if you're buying a company, you, you can you can detach from individual share prices. Um, you know, people will say, well, hold on, Chelsea's just gone for for two point five billion, so is is five hundred million for Everton. Uh, a reasonable price. Well, you've, you've got to factor in is that once you bought the club, you then have to pay for the new stadium, um, substantial investment also as far as on-field on affairs. And I would say that Everton's sort of more aligned with Newcastle. And Newcastle went for, for 300 million uh, you know, last, last November. So uh, I, I, my, my gut reaction is, is that 500 million looks a high price, but mm. paying over the odds for things is, is, you know, is, is part of business. Um, so, so that's where we are uh, at present. But also, uh, Kieran, as you hinted at there, and, and I was about to ask you, if Birmingham City needs investment, then Everton does, but on a much bigger scale. Like you said, the, the stadium has to be paid for. The, the squad certainly needs heavy investment, just logically. They just finished uh, in a relegation battle. It looks like Richarlison is on his way to Spurs. I mean, that's, that, that squad's going to need a lot of money spent on it if they're going to compete at the, the other end of that table. Plus, there are ongoing rumours of, of FFP problems mm. uh, coming up because we know they, they were hugely overspent. So it, it it's hard to say at the moment that that, that £500 million seems even more expensive given all the other money that's going to have to be spent to resolve some of Everson's problems. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I think one of the reports in the papers did say that the bid was effectively contingent upon Everton having no FFP ah, deductions, right, okay. right. fines, and so right. on. Right. Um, my understanding with regards to that is is it's gone a bit quiet on on right. that particular score. Now, 
being quiet could mean that our silver-tongued friends are working behind the scenes and and busy exchanging documents between each other. So just because yeah, it, it's not it's not being uh, discussed publicly doesn't mean that things aren't taking place behind the scenes. Um, certainly, the the noises I've heard from Everton is is that they uh, they maintain that they are within the limits. They've been working in conjunction with the Premier League, and, and they feel that there is there is no case to answer with regards to. Uh, exceeding FFP limits, and, and and yeah, that's that's the stance they say. And, and with regards to the takeover, again, the, uh, yeah, the, the noises I got, um, and and I, and I hear noises, and, and it's not just starlings down the chimney. Um, was the noises I was getting was well, no comment. Now, there's a big difference between no comment and no. When when dis, you know, it, uh, is, is somebody trying to buy you? No comment. Draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Well, also there's another issue because as far as we know, the the ongoing legal action from Burnley uh, hasn't been dropped. So that's another thing. Um, talking of Starlings, Kieran, it has gone very quiet. Um, can you just check that Finley's not licking his lips? Because <laughs> we, we, uh, you know, we don't want him to get a taste of Starling as well as wonky jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, to no one's surprise, it's now officially, 100%, definitely, certainly officially, that Chris Kirchner has pulled out of the deal to buy Derby County. Does that change anything at all, Kieran, the fact that it's now official and that all this this slightly optimistic week of silence when some people say well maybe that means it is going through and when you were adamant it wasn't has that changed anything um nothing critical the the administrators have now said we are talking to other parties um but it 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 does make you wonder why they put all of their eggs in the Chris Chris Kirchner yeah. basket yeah. when um, you know he 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 was involved uh, you know he he was involved in trying to Darby, acquire Derby pre Christmas and he pulled out he was involved in a bid for Preston and he pulled out um, you know I, I, I've not I've not heard about so many pull out since since when I did my confirmation uh you know and, and, and yeah, yeah, we, we, we all remember those days yeah when you're getting the advice from the priest and when, when you when you're adult this is what you got to do um can I, can I just interrupt you there because when uh, I think I've shared this I went to a Catholic grammar school uh a boys school and we had two Catholic girls schools quite near us one of which had a more <laughs> saintly reputation than the other, shall we say. Uh, <laughs> one, one was called Lower Trait, one was called Notre Dame. And this is a 100% true in assembly. The headmaster told us at the age of 12 that we should uh, practice on the girls from Notre Dame, but try and marry one from Lower Trait. <laughs> <laughs> which was to, to a group of 12-year-olds was baffling advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of things Ali blames on the fact that I went to an, an all boys school, but that's that's for a different pod. Uh, so, so yes, Kim. Yeah, Quantum have come in for even more grief, haven't they? I mean, you mentioned Portsmouth, and that led to a lot of Portsmouth fans venting historical spleen at them. It, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to, to see what happens after this in terms of Quantum being asked to administer another club, isn't it? Yes, I mean, and he, and he got to say, "Well, who who chooses the administrators?" Yeah. Oh, it was Mel Morris. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, Quantumar have been very vocal in criticising an awful lot of people connected with the administration, including Chris Kirchner, including the fans, yeah. the EFL, yeah. Middlesbrough, Wickham, 
but they've been completely silent with regards to the man who who put Derby into this financial position, who ran up a twenty eight million pound tax bill, who sold the stadium to himself, and so on. They, they, you know, and it does seem a bit. A bit strange. If you look up, if you Google uh, Andrew on Andronico, uh, who is one of the uh, administrators from Quantumar, um, and uh, severely reprimanded by his by his own uh, uh, by his own body for for historic uh, activity, so he, he's oh, he's okay. not he's not looking great. Now, you know, I'm I used to work in that industry myself. Uh, I, I worked for a professional organisation. Um, it, it, it's it's normally fairly unusual, and 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 I'm not I'm, I'm not just trying to score cheap points here. It's normally fairly unusual in, in professional bodies for people to get reprimands and so on because things yeah. tend to take place behind closed doors. It, it, course, and also, yeah. you know, as as Uncle Terry says, no one likes a grass. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't reflect overly well. Um. And also, people are allowed to make mistakes and and, and move on. Um, as as the prime minister keeps reminding us, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, th- things 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 haven't been great because th- I think the EFL were planning to to go to Pride Park because they wanted to take more of an oversight as to what happened, um, and uh, they they were due to arrive at Pride Park, but but mysteriously somebody leaked this to the newspapers or a particular newspaper, a particular journalist. And that was then put out, which which meant that the EFL decided, well, you know, it's it, it's not it's not worth our while. The last thing that we need, yeah, you know, we what we need is calm hands, yeah. cool heads. Last thing we need is that there'll be a media scrum because people will be wanting to see somebody from the EFL arrive. And also if it goes out and and you know, the Derby fans are understandably angry and anxious as to what's happened. The last thing you want is is a group of fans to turn up to say, well, because uh, you know, there, there, is, there is a viewpoint turn uh, expressed by the Derby fans that the EFL is responsible for, for the state of the club at yeah. present. Um, my own view is that that is uh, a misunderstanding uh, what's what's gone on. Uh, but, you know, it, it, different people, different opinions. You, you mentioned, Kieran, uh, as somebody who worked in that industry, you said it's unusual for a, an administrator to put all their eggs in one basket. So would would best practice normally be then that you would have two or three plates spinning at the same time, that you talk to everybody who's interested, and then you whittle it down to two and then maybe one? Because, as you say, right from uh, way back in the sort of early December, it's been Chris Kirchner and no other, isn't it? We, when we know for a fact that other, you know, Mike Ashley, for example, seems to be on the sidelines and, and is waiting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, think the issue has been is that they, they, that they did give Chris Kirchner exclusivity, and you always do that at, at a period of time. But what I would – well, I'm not telling you about the jobs. What, what you would have expected them to do was to take a significant fee, a significant deposit at that stake yeah. at that time in, because that reduces – Downside risk. You know, if, if if he had to go and put down a five million pound non refundable deposit for exclusivity, uh, and then and then when you got the deadline, the, yeah, the thing about a deadline is that they're supposed to be deadlines, not yeah. deadlines extended and extended and extended. Yeah. So so all of this, especially given his past history, especially if you, if you do any form of digging into his background, you th- there are so many red flags that you you want to make it. Uh, financially uh, negative for him if he does pull out at this stage. So therefore, you insist on a full deposit, or you say 
um, you know, as, as we sometimes, you know, I've, I've seen other deals, it's, it's, it's first across the line. Here's the price. Whoever gets the paperwork uh, signed off uh, by, by the quickest gets the club. So I, th- I think there were alternatives. I'm, I'm not saying they had an easy job. Uh, it, it also wasn't the most difficult of jobs. It was certainly made dif- more difficult by Morris selling the stadium to himself mm. because it reduced mm. the assets that they could sell. Just one more thing on Derby, Kieran, and I I pray for the day when I, we'll be able to say that officially, and it will be just one more thing on Derby. Has Did Chris Kirchner give any reason for officially pulling out? We know, uh, because you told us, that his American interests are struggling financially, but... Had, has he just said, I'm not buying Derby County anymore? Has he expressed disappointment? Has he said, I've been obstructed or I don't like the price, anything at all? It, it, it was it, it was effectively, um, it was difficulties in being able to transfer funds. Oh, so, um, yes. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, but if it, if it is that difficult, why did Todd Bowley manage it in Chelsea? And, and why have Walsall's owners managed it as well? Yeah. So, so there does appear to be an inconsistency uh, in his statement, um, and uh, you know that that doesn't look too clever. Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here, my friends, is no dad joke. Treat him or yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. And look, folks, we appreciate that uh, for many of us, Father's Day can be a sensitive day. Both myself, Kevin, and producer Guy, we've lost our old man. So, so this isn't an insult to anybody out there listening. But if you do fancy going for this, Manscaped, it's designed with dads in mind. And the Performance Package 4.0 is here just in time for your old man's special day. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PRICEOFFOOTBALL. Shake what your mama gave you? Nah, shake what your daddy gave you. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. (laughs) 
Uh, there are some interesting things going on, Kieran, with shirt sponsors at the minute. Um, Everton, the aforementioned, Newcastle and Plymouth. And some of these are a bit oh, more, in inverted commas, interesting than others, for want of a better word. Yeah, um, I, I can only describe this as, as, as the moral maze <laughs> when it comes to, to shirt sponsorship. Um, and you know, people will get get upset about perhaps some of the stuff we're about to talk about. Let, let's take a look at the, these clubs. First, first of all, let's start with Newcastle United. Newcastle United are presently uh, presently got shirt sponsorship arrangement with Fun88, which yep. is, uh, I think, it is, you know, is an Asian-based, uh, South, uh, South Asian-based, Southeast Asian-based uh, online gambling company. Um, now, there have been some rumours that uh, that deal was going to be cancelled because it was inconsistent with uh, you know the, the position of gambling in Saudi Arabia and then because uh, PIF own 80% of Newcastle, yeah. um, it would therefore make more sense to, to have uh, a shirt sponsor who, you know, it, it, let's, for example, if, if Newcastle go on a pre-season tour of Saudi, which, which, which could be very lucrative, you know, there, yeah. there could be promoters. In Saudi, who are willing to pay Newcastle a substantial fee, for example, for for them to to play in a, in a preseason tournament there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there was that story doing the rounds, and then Newcastle did reveal their shirt, and it and it does have Fun eighty eight on the front of it, and the deal still has time to to expire. Um, could that deal be ripped up? Y- yes, it could. Uh, yeah, we, we've we've seen sponsorship deals be ripped up before. Um, so 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 that's Newcastle, and and you know people will say, well, perhaps we could applaud this because if it's if it's a non gambling sponsor, um, you know, then then you know that that that's a positive. The critics of Newcastle, and there's always positives and negatives. The critics of Newcastle will say, well, this is just part of the, the, a broader sports washing issue from the Saudi owners. So, um, uh, sorry, it, can it, I, before before we move yeah. on from Newcastle, because uh, I'm intrigued by this because it was. At least two of the tabloids reported this cancellation as a done deal. They said that it's it's been pulled, the contract's been pulled, mm. but they implied that it was it was Newcastle getting in first, basically, because we you know Premier League clubs won't be allowed gambling sponsors from the season from the season after the one that's happening. So that 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 seemed to be their angle on the story. So, but now what you're saying is that they 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 haven't cancelled it, but and if they were to do so, it would be. Because of Saudi Arabian rules on gambling. Well, um, it, it, they've revealed a new kit for next season, got, which has yeah. Fun Eighty Eight on the okay, front of okay. it. Right. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the the gambling ban, uh, again, I, I'm I'm picking up vibes, right? And I'm oh, picking okay. I'm, I'm picking up vibes uh, that there will not be a compulsory ban. But the premier that the government would prefer uh, that the Premier uh, League okay. has a voluntary ban right. on front of shirt gambling sponsorship. Uh, so, so we don't know whether it's going to go as far as legislation. Uh, you know, I'm um, you know, the government will be taking its time to uh, you know sort out the the white paper with regards to this, and, and then of course there's a, there's a you know, there's opportunity for reflection. The gambling industry, as we know, is is uh, is a very wealthy industry and and has been lobbying. Yeah. Uh, government, um, which which is, you know, is is the nature of a parliamentary democracy. So Everton, then, what's happening with their sponsor? Well, Everton were sponsored by Kazoo, you know, the the online car uh, retailer, and, and yeah, cars produce 
uh, you know, they they produce fumes. They contribute towards global warming. They're, they're, they're environmentally not friendly. Um, but Everton have announced a new sponsor with a gambling company. Oh, now the the way that the deal was presented, um, it's it's the biggest deal outside of the big six. It's a record deal for Everton. Uh, the club has a fiduciary duty to as as an organisation to to maximise earnings, yeah. and, and I, absolutely, I absolutely understand that. Financial fair play is challenging, and this will help them in terms of financial fair play. Um, and you know, I, I sort of reading this, it, it, it did appear, and, and perhaps I'm perhaps I'm misinterpreting here that that the announcement was made in more than more in sorrow than joy. Um, in terms, but but it is going against the tide of clubs. You know, we see. You know, you've, you've done it at Palace. We've seen it at a few other clubs as well, where where they're trying to to move away from gambling. If you then take a look at uh, this particular gambling company, which did sponsor Watford for twenty one twenty two, um, it it doesn't look great. Right. Um, first of all, it's based in Curacao. Now, Curacao is one of those places where uh, you you think, well, I, I need to get Google Maps out here to work out where it is. Yeah, I think it's uh, is it part of the the, the Netherlands Antilles? Um, so, it brought, uh, so it, it's yeah. it's not it's not local. Um, then, as far as the gambling license is concerned, it's it's based in the Isle of Man. Now, there are many of what we refer to as white label gambling companies, which are effectively they're not interested in generating uh, gambling receipts from the UK, particularly. They're looking for overseas markets, so therefore they they will often get a license based. So, based in the Isle of Man, Isle of Man, yeah, not not quite as transparent uh you know why why there and, and not the uk yeah. um and, and then okay what type of gambling company is it is it it's a crypto casino uh oh right okay so um my my reservations with with regards to things like this are um yeah and perhaps this this perhaps i'm completely wrong here uh you and i we we both place the occasional bet and, and we will do that normally on a sport and we will normally do that uh, because the, the the odds are the odds uh, are actually quite low so, so, so the margins are actually quite tight for bookmakers because there's there's places such as as gambling comparison sites and therefore you can try to find the best odds and and uh, as a consequence the, the the margins on on sports betting aren't particularly great um yeah they, they, they still make money the margins on casinos are much much higher because uh you know the, the slots payouts are actually quite low uh the the online uh, card games you know the house the house is always geared up to wins if you, if you think about if you think about a roulette wheel again you've got your zero you've got your double zeros the house the house is always geared to win with regards to that um so we're dealing with a uh, an online casino where the the odds are far more stacked in 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 the face of the organisation. And then I did again some more background work with regards to Stake dot com, and I think it's fair to say that, that the reviews were, were not positive. So you know, all organisations doesn't matter what industry you're in, um, you know, th- th- there is the opportunity to review. And, and Stake dot com, in my opinion, didn't come out of this particularly well. And, and I think there is. 
that there's an issue. You know, you know, I, I, as I've said before, I am so proud to work in the city of Liverpool. Yeah. But what I have noticed is that there is there is one thing which unites everybody in Liverpool, regardless of your political beliefs, regardless of where you stand on Brexit, regardless of which football team you support, is is a loathing for a particular national newspaper. Yeah. Now, if we go back to what the club said, if we have a fiduciary duty to take the highest bid, regardless of source, what if that national newspaper, and I'm not even going to name it, yeah. what if that national newspaper came in with a bid? Would we therefore be obliged to take that money as well? And, and this is where I think, this is why I say it is the moral maze yeah. Of, yeah, of, of shirt sponsorship. And, you know, I, I know that every single Everton fan would simply turn around and say that we are not prepared to accept that. Yeah, But... It, 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 if, if the club is going to take this this standpoint, then it puts them in a genuinely awkward position. Yeah. So that's Everton. Um, <clears throat> beautiful place, the Isle of Man, but uh, bordering on the sinister, I think, Kieran. I don't know if you've been there last time. I, I was I've, there. I've taught there. Yes. Have you? Ah, right. Okay. Yes. Uh, last time I was there was with uh, four other lads uh, from London, not a stag do I hasten to add. Uh, and we're all of the opinion that every corner we turned was going to have a giant burning straw effigy of some sort. It's a, it's a quite, yes. it's, 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 yeah. A, yeah. it's a bit like time travel. It's a bit like if you want to know what England was like in the 1950s, I suggest you go to the Isle of Man. Um, uh, now, Plymouth, please, Plymouth. please, please, yes. Kieran, please yes. right. break, break, um, this, break this to me gently, Kieran, because if this is Plymouth losing against us, from the front of their shirts. That's for me, that's going to be like the Ravens leaving the Tower of London. Plymouth, Plymouth have to have Ginsters on the front of their shirts, Kieran, please. Right. Um, oh, prepare that, to be disappointed. Oh, that didn't uh, sound good. Disappointed, but very proud of Ooh. Ginsters. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So what we are having with, uh, with Plymouth Argyle, and I think this is, this is a fantastic, uh, fantastic move. Uh, I think it's indicative of, of the way that Simon Hallett is running uh, Plymouth as, as a community club is that the Ginsters have agreed to to not put their name on the front of shirts instead, oh. and what we're going to have is Project Thirty Five, and what Project Thirty Five represents, um, and, and this is something which 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 is is shameful. You know, we are we are one of the the wealthiest overall nations in the world. Yeah, um, that in some wards in the city of Plymouth. 35% of children are in uh, food poverty. Jesus. And this is highlighting that particular feature. Um, so so what Ginsters have said is that instead of having our name on, on the, the front of shirts, we are going to fund this. Um, we are going to provide 100,000 free lunches for kids in, uh, in, in the city of Plymouth. Um, we're going to highlight the, the, the rise in food poverty, and, and which has, of course, been accelerated. Um, and there's going, to be, uh, there's going to be food appeals put out at home matches, regular collections. Uh, there's going to be hampers for kids in, in, as, as well for the holidays. Um, so it, this is very much a community project. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic piece of action. You know, Plymouth aren't going to, to benefit, benefit financially. It is going to be this, this effectively, this project, this charity. Um, and, and if I was a Plymouth fan, I'd, I'd be ridiculously proud of my club. And, and I know we, we do get some criticism. Uh, you know, I, I, I read the reviews on, uh, I, I read the reviews on Apple podcasts and, and we get accused of being left wing. 
uh, you know, left, left-wing people and we should stick to football. Well, okay, we are sticking to football. Plymouth have done really well. Food poverty is, 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 is a national shame um, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, well said, quite right. Um, don't read reviews, Kieran. No, madness lies that way. Just look at the stars and come up with uh, funny names for, for people that could present the pod instead of us. Um, I'm, I'm fairly sure that Guy has worded this next news story uh, for a reason. Uh, as it says here, Manchester United's share price has taken a bit of a beating over the last few months. And from what I understand, Kieran, uh, uh, some people at Manchester United would like to give you a bit of a beating uh, for, for over the last few hours. They're not happy with you, Kieran, are they, I believe? Um no, they're, they're not. <laughs> and all, all I'm doing, I'm just putting out facts. You're just telling the truth. You're just putting the truth out there, people, aren't you? Just... <laughs> yeah. Um, now, look, global economic crisis, share prices are falling, Manchester United share prices falling as well. That, And I've said that. Yeah. Um, what, what I think, what, what concerns me is that, that Manchester United share price is now uh, more than 20% lower than it was when the club first went to the stock market, when it was brought to the market mm. by the Glazer family. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason for that is that they say, well, Manchester United's part of the entertainment industry. They're trying to uh, market it as a, as, as a quasi-tech stock um, because you know, they're gathering, you know, if you think about the success of the Manchester United app and they're gathering all the data in respect of fans um, and so on. So, so yeah, there is no doubt that the, the global uh, economic crisis has driven down share prices over the course of the last six months or so. But I'm looking at a period of 10 years. Now, over that period of 10 years, all of the stock markets have increased in value. So, so what we have here is is Manchester United underperforming significantly against the rest of the market. So then you have to ask yourself, let, let's go back to, I don't want to turn this into a lecture, but you know, what ultimately determines share price? First of all, there's the, the industry that you're in. So you know, it doesn't matter who would be in charge of Blockbuster. Blockbuster would, would have been turned to nothing yeah but yeah. blockbuster took a crash because technology moved on so so is that the case in respect of manchester united in my opinion no um yeah i, I think manchester united have got a fantastic yeah they've got the, they've got a global brand they've got an inter- global fan base and all of this so so can, can we put it down to the nature of the product no um then ultimately we you would say well it, it comes down to the quality of decision making and the quality of senior management, because Tesla is a success because, and he, and he might be a complete hack hat stand, but <laughs> Elon Musk is a man who who has a, a has a belief in a product. Uh, if you think about Apple, it was driven by Steve Jobs. Now read Steve Jobs' biography, as I have done. He, he wasn't a very pleasant man, but he had a vision for the company. Yeah. What we, can we therefore say that? That Manchester United have performed well in terms of their decision making over the course of the last decade. They've not won the Premier League since 2013. They have the the most expensive squad, or pretty close to the most expensive squad in the Premier League. So, so the money has been spent. The money has been made available. Has it been spent well? You know, this isn't a football show, but Manchester United finishing sixth. Man- Manchester United. Um, 
getting stuffed by both Brighton and Palace yeah. at the end of last season, where we both thought, well, yeah, we've beaten them, but but they actually got away. You know, they yeah. should have been beaten but you know, much yeah. more severely. I, I, and you know, we, we, we love our clubs, but we also know we're Brighton and Palace. They're Manchester United. That, yeah. that, that shouldn't be happening. Um, so I, I think what's happened here is that the markets are saying in order to fix Manchester United, it's going to be very expensive. And therefore, that money is going to increase the losses of the company. And that reflects in terms of the share price as well as global blah, blah, blah. It, it's, it's it's one thing to say it's going to be expensive to fix. We know that. What it, at any other company, if um, the price of shares has gone down by so much, what would happen to the leaders of that company? I mean, you presume there'd be some kind of uh, rebellion or whatever. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how these things work, but it seems interesting that the Glazers continue to go on their merry way, even though the, the share price is going down and down. Yeah, and and the reason for a contributory factor to this is that there are two types of share at Manchester United. Uh, there is one share. I, I, I've got, I, might, I might get these the wrong way around, but there are the A shares, which yeah. are all owned by the Glazers, and they carry ten votes each. And then there are the B shares, which are owned by individual shareholders, and they only carry one vote each. So. It's impossible, really, to put up any significant dissent as a shareholder group because of the way that th- those two shareholdings work. So the, th- so the Glazers, I think, between them own ninety three percent of the votes of right, Manchester right, United. Right, right. So you might as well, you know, say, well, well there's no point in bothering because you know turkeys don't vote for Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Um, the EFL, Kieran, has. Uh, advised us of a bunch of new rules, including one that's designed to help colourblind fans, which of course is good for you and the 8% of the population that are also colourblind, but another one to tighten up the owners and directors test, which is also good for you, Kieran, but long overdue. Yes, yeah, and first of all, uh, thanks to uh, Trevor East, uh, who is a friend of ours, who is uh, he's he's put this forward. Uh, yeah, he's he's a director. He's a director of Plymouth, in fact. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, he, I, th- I think he listened to the podcast, and and uh, and also Catherine at Color Blindness Awareness because she's put together such a persuasive case um, for for addressing what what is a very simple problem to solve. Yeah, um, I, I was a bit disappointed in some of the reporting that we've seen in the papers where it said that home teams might you know the team playing at home might have to change its shirt that that wasn't the intention of the rule the intention was to ensure that there is no the no color clashes now yeah. it, all this would take you would think is is a phone call between the two clubs before each match to say to the away team have you chosen a kit which which is definitely going to uh, not not be a color clash and and that's yeah, there there are there are ways of doing that because I think uh, Catherine and some of her associates are now now providing uh, colorblind filters so therefore you see the world through the eyes of a colorblind person oh, wow. and therefore if you've got if you're playing in green and the opponents are playing in red and it looks identical you say right well we need to go and change the away the away kit and remember there are three away kits yeah if you've got three away kits which are all similar then that goes against the purpose of shirts in the first place yeah. why do we have football shirts for the home team and away team it's to distinguish the players it's to make the job easier yeah um so so you know fair play to um 
you know, big big thanks to Trevor East for for sort of pushing on this and Catherine. I think they've made amazing progress and, and fair play to the people at the EFL for voting this through as well. With with regard to the the other rules um, in terms of tightening up the owners and directors test, and I, and I think this this again is 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 very progressive. Um, the the EFL are effectively saying that if you are planning on transferring shares between individuals, um, you have got to give us. Uh, notice and we have got to approve those in advance. So this is to stop uh, effective fait accomplis uh, with regard to share transfers. Now, now where this would stand in relation to Birmingham City, uh, you know, we, we don't know because I think the rules come into play. I think it's from the first of July, right. um, and clearly this transaction has taken place in June. Um, so uh, I think this this is progressive. It, it does allow. The EFL uh, a little bit more opportunity to do some more vetting of, of pe- people building up stakes in clubs, um, and, and that's got to be welcomed because there are too many examples of poor governance in the game, um, and, and this this is a way of addressing that issue. Mm. We do, Kieran, technically have one story left, but uh, mindful of the criticism that you say we have that this is not a football pod, um, and it's not really related to finance. I think possibly we should uh, hold it over for another part also because I'm still really sulky about it. And if I see Arsene Wenger, I shall tell him because based on his recommendations, it looks like the throw-in could be on its way out of the game. I'm just, uh, just really, just just do some gardening, Arsene, basically. Stop interfering with a game that's been working fine as it is for quite some time. Uh, yeah, it's all to do with time-wasting because we're not getting our blood. But it's also to do with the fact that he's still sulking that Stoke kept beating them because they threw the ball. There's more than one ways to win a football game than tippy-tapping your way 100 yards up the pitch. Uh, as you can see, Kieran, I'm in no psychological state to discuss this logically. So uh, <laughs> let's let's hold it over till someone inevitably sends a question in. <laughs> Um, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod, that's very kind of you, and you can do so by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, we have our questions pod on Monday. Then email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. That's questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, uh Thank you for everybody at uh, Patreon who who is supporting the show. We, we genuinely appreciate it, and, and uh, yeah, we know that times are tight, so you know, giving us financial support. Where, if we're honest, you're not getting much extra in return because <laughs> we want this show to be free. Uh, that's always been our philosophy. But so so to, to do that on a voluntary basis is is, is incredibly generous, uh, and remember, you can do that for as as little. As, as a pound a month. Um, if you want to support the show in another way, the way that you can do that is, is by going on to your, your app that you use to listen to podcasts um, and giving us a review. And yeah, ideally if you can give us five stars, that, that would be absolutely fantastic. We, we, we do appreciate it. And it helps us. It helps us in the charts. It helps us to book guests because they tend to look at these things. Um, and, and uh, it's, it, uh, you know, we, in the ratings, we, we do it, we're doing okay. Um, it, it doesn't apparently matter. Uh, what you say as far as the narrative of your review is concerned. Um, so, you know, we, Kevin and I, we, we both like history. We, we've just been talking about food poverty. So perhaps you, you could say you would rather the show was presented by Marie Antoinette and Anne Boleyn. 
um, to, to add a little bit of culture and add a little bit of nuance to, to the show uh, and probably improve it as well. Uh, don't start me on Anne Boleyn. Uh, you know my views on Anne Boleyn. And Marion Antoinette never actually said let the meat cake, to her credit. Uh, apparently she was a very nice woman. Um, and talking of guests, Kieran, uh, I don't know if we should break this news, as I'm more excited about the guest we have next week than I think <laughs> any other guest we've ever had. Would you, would you like, without mentioning a name, Kieran, would you like to mention what product our guest is on talking about? Yes, yes. I, th- I think it's uh, I think it's in two weeks, and uh, yeah, oh, we've, weeks. we've got we've got somebody from the world of football pies. I really, I can't believe it's taken us this long to actually discuss the economics of pie production and and supply of football ground. But I really, genuinely, can't wait. Um, no sign of any samples yet. I noticed, Kieran. So, uh, <laughs> beer, beer companies seem more keen to send us stuff than pie companies. But yeah, there's there's there's, there's still two weeks to go. Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. The price of football.